Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. We have our hands up in the air. It's like we just don't care. I don't care at all. How have you been? Great. Yeah. You? Uh, you know, spring is in the air. It is. It's nice. The the day the temperatures have been where we live in the country. The temperatures have been wildly fluctuating, and they seem to have kind of leveled out a little bit. Leveled out into just vaguely annoying. <laughs> springish. <laughs> springish. Yes. Not full bloom spring yet. Just early. Yeah. Windy, damp spring. Spring adjacent. Well, spring is kind of windy and damp. Yeah, true. So I have a question, and I'm not sure if I should be... Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, question first. Do we need a segue? <laughs> you want me to play some music? I'm not sure if I should be proud that we've made this many episodes without <laughs> me doing this, or, or embarrassed that we're doing it now. But it's hard to craft questions for you, because I can't ask you questions that have to deal with the history of the team, because you don't remember. <laughs> I can't ask you questions that have to deal with any of the creative people, because you don't know who they are and you don't care. So... I'm gonna. We're gonna do a game that is often known in the real world as FMK, but for us, it's gonna be SMK. Screw Mary Kill. For those that don't know, I'm gonna give you three characters. You have to tell me which one, <laughs> which one you would like to kill, which one you will marry, and which one you will have. Let us say <laughs> intimate relations, sexy time with. Oh, yeah. all right. So I should be playing some music. First category: sidekicks. Rick Jones, Jarvis the Wasp. <laughs> Well, I'm going to fulfill everyone's fantasy and kill Rick Jones. <laughs> I will have sexy time with the Wasp, and I'll marry Jarvis because he'll take care of me. Woohoo! Yeah. Makes sense, right? That is yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I would... Well, we don't care about it. Why did Wasp come up as a sidekick? Well, in the early issue, she, when Rick Jones was a sidekick, Wasp was a sidekick. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I know, it was hard. It's hard to find sidekicks. All right. How um, many of these do we have? <laughs> I have four. Okay. Second category. All right. Demigods. Demigods. Thor, Hercules, Moondragon. Oh, wow. It's hard to find... I apologize, there's not a lot of women around at this point in time. I'm going to reveal way too much about myself in this one. <laughs> I like crazy women, so I'm going to have the sexy time with Moondragon, <laughs> because, hey. Hey. Uh, and the other ones scare me. Um <laughs> <laughs> I would probably have to kill Hercules because I don't find any use in him, and I would marry Thor. He has long, flowing, <laughs> lovely locks. <laughs> Does doesn't he? Third category. Did that match up with yours or I? No, no. Well, my, with the first one, I would have sorry killed Jarvis because I would marry the Wasp. She's wealthy, and I think the Wasp and I would have a ton of fun. No, no. I think we'd have a good time together, and it would be a sexless marriage. But that's okay because that's what Rick Jones is for, <laughs> and I bet Captain America taught him well. <laughs> For that one, I would, sorry, I would have to kill Moondragon because she's got mental powers that she has no problem using, and so I'd always be a little worried that I wasn't making my own decisions. I would, sadly, as much as I make fun of him and seem to hate him, probably have sex with Hercules because he does have a body, and he's probably really good at it. He's had a lot of time. Yeah. And I would marry Thor because he's yeah. probably not home very much. <laughs> Third one, the blacks. Not like that, oh, because there aren't that many in the Marvel universe. I mean, Black Knight, Black Widow, Black Panther. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have sex with Black Widow because who wouldn't? I mean, really, I'm gonna kill Black Knight because he's used to it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna marry Black Panther because he's the king. Right? Yeah. No, it's not a bad choice. Mm. I, I would, I would just have to flip it a little bit where, where I would kill Black Knight, of course. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Dane. I like Dane, but sorry. Um, Why would you marry Black Widow, then? Because, again, I love the Black Widow. I think I'd have a lot of fun with her, and I cannot avoid having sex with the Black Panther. Of course I want to have sex with the Black Panther. Who doesn't want to have sex with Black Panther? Anyway, last category. We're going to villains. Robots. <laughs> Ultron, Jocasta, Vision. <laughs> 
Ultron to cast a vision. Oh, I gotta kill Ultron, because he's crazy. I cannot agree more. You've gotta get rid of him. The other two, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I guess I would probably have sex with Vision, because Jocasta at least has a personality, and I could spend some time with her. Well, and I agree with you. First of all, you don't want to marry Vision. He's so freaking moody. Yeah. I don't, want to, I don't want to have to be stuck with that. Yeah. And Jocasta, if you get annoyed with it, you just ignore her. She's used to it. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's not... Sex continuously, Mary. I know it's just the one. No, it's just a one night so, thing. Yeah. Anyway, those are my four categories. This is a nice thing that we can always dredge up anytime we need a question. I'm surprised you didn't bring up villains. I don't. I. I we could add some crazy with villains. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> well, that's why I thought this would be nice. We can come back to this again in later sure. episodes yeah, yeah, anytime yeah. we want to. We hadn't done that already. I kind of am too. Although, to be honest, or to be fair, I guess, we haven't done this question thing for all 95 episodes. No. It's kind of a new last 20 or so episodes we've been doing it. All right. Yay. Oh, I'm up. Hey. Previously on The Avenging Hour, after guest starring in an odd fill-in issue featuring Ghost Rider trying to kill Angel, the Avengers partnered with Silver Surfer and the Fantastic Four to take down the Crazy Pants Molecule Man before he could eat the planet. And now, episode 96. Starting with issue 217 from March... Of 1982, this one is by Jim Shooter and Bob Hall, and it is called Double Cross. Uh-oh, there's trouble outside the mansion, as a menacing man in an armored suit calling himself the Mechano Marauder bends street signs and demands the Avengers face him. Jarvis looks out the window and sighs. He meanders over to Iron Man, inexplicably sitting in an armchair with his feet up reading the paper. <laughs> Iron Man insists he'll handle the nuisance, if only to test out his updated rocket skates, and I'm already excited. <laughs> Iron Man punches the villain into the street where Janet Van Dyne arrives by limo. The two heroes greet each other cordially as the Mechanic Marauder struggles to his feet. The bad guy tosses the now vacant limo at Iron Man, but he easily deflects it. Captain America then rides up on his motorcycle and waves hello. He asks if Iron Man needs any help, but the armored Avenger quickly demurs. Cap then uses the overturned limo as a ramp to ride into the mansion's courtyard. The Mechanic Marauder is clearly miffed that he isn't being taken seriously. We see Thor arrive inside the courtyard, and Iron Man realizes he has better things to do today. He knocks his new foe to the ground and tears his armor apart with his bare hands. Well, I guess his armored hands, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) The nearly naked man vows revenge. Revenge, I say! But Iron Man is already back in the mansion, wondering why the phone lines are down. Jarvis asks if he needs an emergency line, but Iron Man insists he just wanted to check with Stark's secretary to see if Pym had called. At that same moment, a dejected Pym is stopping at a payphone to make that exact call. Unfortunately, before Mrs. Arbogast can take the call, Pin's quarter runs out of time and he wanders off. Back at the mansion, Wasp clearly has a newfound energy as she nominates herself as chairperson and wins a unanimous vote. It's a whole new world! Out on the streets again, Pim wanders into a bar to drown his sorrows and is met by a trench-coated egghead. We get some flashbacks to remind us how these two know each other. Evidently, one of Egghead's previous schemes caused his niece to lose her arm, and he's now invented a cybernetic replacement that he wants Pym to give to her. He's too ashamed of his past mistakes to approach this Trish woman himself, so he offers to pay Pym a half a million bucks to do it for him. That doesn't sound fishy at all. And right on cue, when Yellow Jacket attaches the arm, it immediately punches him in the face, and Egghead's (laughs) voice emerges from Trish, insisting that Pym do as he says, or the bomb in Trish's new arm will explode and kill them both. Egghead then proceeds to blackmail Pym into breaking into the Strategic Air Command headquarters in Nebraska to steal a secret store of adamantium resin, as if we didn't already see this plot. I'll give Yellow Jacket some credit. He manages to push an emergency signal button for Avengers Mansion while following Egghead's orders, 
As he and the possessed Trish make their escape with the stolen goods, a Quinjet swoops down on the highway and confronts them. Egghead orders Yellow Jacket to defeat the Avengers or Trish dies. Well, we all know how that's going to turn out, considering Pym couldn't beat them a couple issues ago. Pym backhands Wasp like he's had lots of practice. He even manages to momentarily stun Captain Thor, but eventually the might of the team catches up to him. They each get a good backhand in before Thor snags him in the palm of his hand. Sensing defeat, Pym starts waving his arms and babbling about bombs and such. Iron Man inspects Trish but finds nothing. Back at his base, we learn that Egghead ceased transmissions when he saw Pym would not prevail. Seeing how things probably look for him, Pym starts insisting that Trish back him up on his story, but Trish doesn't remember a thing. It's Yellow Jacket's word against everyone else, and we all know how that turns out. <laughs> the next morning, Jarvis delivers the morning paper with the headline, Ex-Avenger Jailed. The end. A roll call. The team includes Iron Man, Captain America, Wasp, and Thor. Jarvis runs things in the background. Mrs. Arbogast returns. Yellow Jacket and Egghead team up for stupid reasons that also involve Egghead's niece, Trish Starr. And we meet the Meccano Marauder for the first time. Meccano Marauder is better known as Fabian Stankiewicz. He's just a guy who likes to build suits of exoskeleton armor, apparently because he has low self-esteem. He'll be back a few more times over the years as both an adversary and an ally. He eventually applies for membership but is turned down. Then Cap brings him on as part of their, quote, ground crew for inventing and such, and he was even Cap's roommate for a while. I wonder how that turned out for him. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll see. Uh, there'll be a, <laughs> what if there was a Bucky costume laying on his bed when he got there? <laughs> He'd never Put this fit on. In. He'd never fit in it. Doesn't he, matter. He looks. He won't be in it for long. <laughs> he looks like a normal in this story, but uh, when he comes back as part of the ground crew, he's a little. They make they make him a little a little heavier. He let himself go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, let's see. We haven't seen Egghead since Avengers number sixty five when he hired swordsman to kidnap Pym. Since then, he's tried to create a machine to steal people's IQ. He kidnapped his own niece to test it, but was stopped by Pym to get back at her. Egghead put a bomb in her car that ended up blowing off her arm. He then stole a space lab from NASA and founded the Emissaries of Evil with Rhino, Solar, and Cobalt Man. He also fought Alpha Flight after threatening everyone with a nuclear bomb, so he's been kind of busy. And Patricia, Trish Starr, first appeared in Marvel feature number 5 in September 1972. As mentioned, she is the niece of Egghead. She used to date Nighthawk of the Defenders, and she once joined a commune in the Nevada desert. Oh, is it impossible for this book to do normal credit boxes anymore? No, we have like, to tell a story every time. Yeah, Jim Shooter, just do a normal credit box. The, the credit box is basically a paragraph with a story in it. And I think he thinks it's cute, but I think it's unnecessary. If we went back to just the normal credits, it would take up like one line. We could have made McCann Marauder look even more menacing. That is true. He had so much more room. And he needs all the, the help he can get. He looks like he's falling over and he's just using that sign to balance himself. I love McCann Marauder. And I love the fight with Iron Man. It is brilliant. It's funny how everyone just shows up and, oh, hey man, how's it going? I feel like Mrs. Arbogast is basically becoming a supporting character in this book. She's been around so much recently. Well, she's doing a better job than that other secretary. But why would Pym call Tony Stark? I, I mean, I guess you would think he would call the mansion, and because that's they're why they're scientist make friends. Uh, but he doesn't know who Tony Stark is. He doesn't know who Tony Stark is Iron Man, and we've never seen Tony Stark and Henry Pym hang out. Oh, you're right. He wasn't around when that all got revealed. I'm assuming, because you would think he'd call the mansion, which I'm assuming is why we go through the whole thing about the phone lines being down. Yeah, they never explain why the phone lines are down. I don't know if the Marcana Marauder knocked him out while he was playing out front with Iron Man or what. I don't know. It's really, it's it's a little weird. Uh, yeah, but You're right, though. I never, why would he, I mean, who else would he call? 
I guess. He, I don't think he would call the mansion because he would be too embarrassed. He would try to go oh, somewhere be. where he could get a hold of just one of them. I guess so. But he again, he doesn't know that's an Avenger. And I don't think he would call Captain America because Captain America is the I one wouldn't that call Captain America problems. either if I were him. That guy's a jerk. So he's got either Thor or Iron Man. He can't call Thor. I mean, where's Thor? Well, again, I don't know that he knows Thor is Don Blake. No, he doesn't. Yeah, so... And Thor doesn't have a phone. Like, so I guess Thor Tony Stark really is the only one call the Wasp. He would have to call Iron Man, and the only way to get in touch with Iron Man is to call Stark. He has Jan's number. He would already talked to the Wasp. Just kidding. I was just kidding. No, you're right. You're right. He would call Tony Stark. You're right. It makes sense. When you reason Well, he wouldn't call Tony Stark. He would call Iron Man. But he can't get Iron Man, so he calls Tony Stark. Yeah. Or maybe he would... Do, do he and Tony Stark know each other? We're never... I, I don't, Outside of the Avengers? I don't believe that's ever been established. Because, you know, they're both scientists. Yeah, so the scientist club with Bruce Banner <laughs> and Reed Richards, I don't think I've ever... I don't <laughs> I think, think... I think Iron Man bought his way into that club. Yes. Oh, that's yes. Ugh, ugh. No, it does make some sense when you reason out like that. Who else? I mean, he really has no other options. I am so excited the Waspist chair now. Uh, I love the Waspist chair person, and we'll be talking about this a lot more over the next few years. How long does she stay chairperson this time? Uh, she stays until Secret Wars. Because I don't remember her being the chairperson. I remember her when she had her shorter hairdo and she was chairperson. She stays chair until Secret Wars when the Vision takes over. Okay. And then she... Comes right back into it once the vision's gone. I, uh, and when they're voting for her as chairperson, gee, Iron Man, well, I guess that's okay. That's your vote, really? Such a jerk. You and a Hawkeye are in the He-Man Women Haters Club. Am I allowed to harass the chairperson sexually? (laughs) (laughs) Can we clear that up before I vote for you? My problem with this plot, the whole egghead plot, is that that you don't care. Well, my problem with it is that Yellow Jacket says he checked out the arm before he put it on Trish, and right. there was nothing wrong with it. Right. And as soon as it's put on Trish, we find out it had all this circuitry inside it. So the only way for this plot to work is if Henry Pym is a total incompetent. Well, no, because Egghead explains that he had hidden it, and he was only able to activate it, but yeah, I know. It doesn't make I any know. sense. You don't have to give me that look. I know, too. Like, the circuitry would still be there. Yeah, and he would be able to find it. This, I mean, he is supposed to be good at what he does. The only the only way to rationalize, if I'm going for my Marvel No Prize, where I find a mistake and I rationalize it, would be that Pym found circuitry that he wasn't quite sure what it did, but it didn't look dangerous, and he really wants this to work. Because he sees this as his chance to become respected again. So even though he knows there's something a little janky with the arm, he's going to just let it go and move on because because this needs to happen. Okay, but on that note, what does Yellow Jacket stand to gain from this? Doesn't he pay him when he gives him the arm? Well, even if he does, he's got to, you know... What, but, like, what does Yellow Jacket care? I don't know. Because, see, I don't know. He's he desperate. He just put the arm on her and go, okay, or just give her the arm. Like, all right, see ya. <laughs> I did what your uncle told me to do. I don't... And, and and no, I don't think he does pay him. What's in the oh. envelope? He hands him an envelope. Oh, it's like twenty bucks. I don't know. I'm not sure. Look, I'm trying to make. Well, my thing is like Hank Pym's in a frame of mind now. Where why does he care about anybody? This guy gave him a check, well, and he's like, "Yeah, I have a check now. I guess I'll go deliver this thing he wants me to deliver." And beyond that, why would he care to get involved? Well, this is my problem with this issue as well. Although I guess Pym knows Trish. Yes, because he saved her before. But here's my problem as well with this issue. The last time we saw Hank Pym, well, so Hank Pym has a complete and total nervous breakdown, hits his wife, tries to kill his friends, slinks off to go be in a flea-bagged motel, gets metaphorically slapped down by his wife, told he's going to get a divorce. And the next time we see him in this issue, he seems perfectly fine. 
I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but I think Pip yeah. fine, he seems fine in this issue. It's like he never had mental problems. Right. Yeah, he's like, oh, egghead, yeah, whatever, what do you want me to do? And this is, as you say, Pim, at this point in time, his frame of mind, it shouldn't have gotten better. Why would it get better? And, and this is part of my problem with the way they're portraying... <laughs> I, that, I would see him taking the arm and the check and just going. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem. I can with- make another robot out of this and it can be useful. It's just an arm. I can sit in my apartment or my hotel room with this arm and make it do things. <laughs> I don't need people anymore. I just feel like... I feel like they're trying to say that if you have a breakdown that's as serious as the one Hank Pym did, it'll get better like it's the flu. Just walk around and you'll be fine. Yeah, it'll, you'll, you'll get over Shake it. Shake it off. And I don't feel that's... And I feel that's a dangerous sentiment, a dangerous lesson for the kids. Also, completely untrue. And so... Come on, it's just like alcoholism, right? You can just forget you have it. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I have I have some issues with with the plot very there. That being said, the fight between Henry Pym and the Avengers, I very much like. I think it's a well choreographed fight. Pym does much better than he really should. Well, yeah, but it shows that he's not a total loser. Though to be fair, he's still beaten in like two pages. Come on, he kicks Thor in the chest and, Cor- and Thor falls down. I don't even think Thor would fall down. <laughs> well, you may be right. And now he's stunned, like Thor can't get back to his feet. On. And while I may not believe the plan, if if we accept the if we accept the conceit of the plan, Egghead's a great villain of this issue because he's thought of everything. Okay, here's an here's a another look at it though. Egghead had the chance to blow up the Avengers and he didn't take it. The Avengers aren't his issue; they really rarely have been. Oh, he but won- he could have killed him. He I mean, except for maybe Thor. He doesn't care. He wants to see Pym suffer. He could have killed him. He could have killed Pym. He could have killed Pym. He could have killed Pym. He doesn't want to kill Pym. He could have killed Captain America. He (laughs) doesn't want to kill Pym. He wants to see Pym suffer. None of them would have been expecting it if that woman's arm just would have blown up. Ah, that's yeah. To me, that's not a problem because I don't. I don't think that's how Egghead's mind works. Well, the best thing is if he could have just blown up Wasp. Well, sure, but I don't think made Pym crazy. I don't think there was ever a time where that was an option for him. Could have been a permanent way to mess with Pym. Yes, I think he would have killed the Wasp if he could have killed her cleanly. But I don't think he wanted to kill Pym and the Wasp. Figure out a way to blow off the Wasp's arm and then give her a cybernetic arm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long range plan. That'll be the next the next twenty issues. Oh well, I have nothing else on this issue. What do you got for bullpen bulletins? Oh wait, let me tell you. Jim Shooter turned thirty. There's a tease for the New Mutants. Fantastic Four roast number one by Fred Hembeck debuts. And Marvel Fanfare number one debuts a comic with fancy cardstock and bright colors. That's all that's going on in the Marvel Universe. The only thing I would add to that is that Jim Shooter mentions the upcoming JLA Avengers crossover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's upcoming. 30 <laughs> years upcoming, but it's upcoming. You know, for as long as it took him to write it, you'd think it would have been better. Is it me, or is the font on these bullpen bullets like 6.5? Oh, it's crazy small. I'm like, good grief, people. Maybe you should write less. It must really suck for you because you're reading it on a computer. Oh. It's like eye strain. I mean, I can make it bigger, but oh, not to the computer, yeah. so I can make it bigger, but... That's true. I Boy. I can't make mine bigger. I'm actually reading the comic. That's it. What about the letters page? Reggie Smith of Shalott, North Carolina, recognizes that the title has been in a slump since issue 200. Though I think it's it's coming out of that slump. It is, yeah. Uh, and I went slowly, but it is. <laughs> it's in one step, two steps forward, yeah. one step Yeah, out. yeah. Two good issues, a bad one, then another two maybe good. And... Well, you're a little bit harder on than I am. Yeah. Uh, TM Maple, I, I would just point out, I don't care about his letter, but... To point out he writes again, he, she, it writes again. Uh, we'll see a lot of TM Maple letters in the next few months. Is that a person? Do we look him up? To he, find out if he is a person. Unless you think there's a robot. Do you think there's a robot writing letters? It could be. Maybe it's Jocasta. Or maybe it's like the Scarlet Beetle. Some sort of highly advanced insect. The Scarlet Beetle? Yeah. It's, it was a Dr. We'll see him on the West Coast event. 
Who's that? Tick, tick <laughs> reference? No, no, it's a, it's a Dr. Pym foe from the 60s. They were crazy time. Apex. Is it Apex? Or oh, that was the one on the Squadron Supreme. A Dr. Pym foe. Well, that tells you all you need to know right, right. there. One-armed Trish is back. <clears throat> Tom Naley of Evansville, Indiana writes in. Uh, he is a president of a comic book club, and he wants to tell us all about the people that his club voted for, for favorite and best and blah, blah, blah. It's great. What interests me is for favorite writer and penciler, they picked Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. This is 1982. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby haven't done comics at Marvel. Regular comics for Stan Lee are probably a decade, and regular comics for Jack Kirby probably at least five years. I find it, and these are not, I'm sorry, these are not favorite overall. These are favorite for the Avengers, oh, which wow. Stanley hasn't written since 1965, and you, Jack Kirby only drew eight issues of. You would think that if those were your favorite creative team, you wouldn't still be reading the Avengers. Right? And I have to wonder, what's the median age of the people in this club? Is it like 42? Is that why they get they like these guys so much? Maybe they maybe they're all really young and they're like these guys are legends. Their favorite issue is also old. It's number fifty three, which is the one where the Avengers fought the X Men while Magneto had Wanda and Pietro trying to get him to work for him again. Wasn't that the one drawn by George Tusca? Uh, Might have been, and oh. that's their favorite issue, which that's... I'm like. And their favorite covers are one of the Avengers versus the Squadron Supreme with one team on one side and one team on the other, which is horribly dull. Which is a Justice League cover. And the other one was the one with 211 where they did the membership shuffle with Moondragon, which is a boring Gene Colan cover with, you know, all the guest stars standing in a room looking at the team. They're like two of the worst covers. And I'd like to point out, if Stan Lee and Jack Kirby are your favorite writer and artist, how come none of the covers... Or issues that you mention are by Stan Lee or Jack Kirby. And they pick the ones with the worst artists on them. Sorry. I just found these to be the most random and horrible choices that they could possibly make. I'm going to go ahead and guess that that comic club doesn't exist anymore. Uh, MVP. Wasp, our new chairperson. Agreed. Useless character. Yellow jacket. Go away already. I found it hard to say, but... I would say probably Thor, dude, you let Yellow Jacket, like, knock you down? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Do you have a best quote taken out of context? <clears throat> We're behind you all the way, Jan. Avengers level threat. No. No, I like Egghead, and I think he does have a good plan this issue, but no. Final grade. I gave it a B. It's a good showcase for Jan to show how well she's recovered from previous incidents, and it's nice not to have a throwaway villain, and, you know, Egghead has some staying power. I gave it a B, too, for pretty much the same reasons. I mean, there are issues with, I have problems with it, but not that. They don't, they don't take away from the fact that this is a good issue. Agreed. Let's move on. One more. Because I can't wait for this one. Avengers, number 218. 218 of April 1982. It is by J.M. DeMatteis and Jim Shooter, drawn by Don Perlin, and it is called Born Again and Again and Again. Thank goodness that this book finally has some direction. With Jim Shooter writing, we finally move past the endless villains and the book is gaining some momentum. I'm looking forward to reading it on a more regular basis now that it has a direction. I'm anxious to see how this issue continues the plot lines that have been started. Wait, DeMatteis scripted. Perlin drew it, and the inker is listed as embellishers assembled? Oh, son of a... A young boy rings the doorbell of Avengers Mansion, and when Jarvis opens the door and gets all condescending, the boy insists that he needs to see the team on a matter of life and death. Before Jarvis can knock the little brat around, the wasp shows up, happy to give the young man a tour of the mansion. However, the young boy realizes that the wasp is being just as condescending as Jarvis, insists he needs to see the real Avengers, and runs off. He finds the other three regular members in the lab, 
lab where Iron Man is welding some machine that Thor is holding while Captain America whines and moans about the two of them holding up the meeting. Accosted by the child, Thor threatens to spank him, making me wonder if I could sneak into Avengers Mansion and accost the team without warning. And considering their security, I'm guessing I could. Iron Man immediately assumes that if a young boy is running around the mansion, he must be a friend of Cap's, but Cap quickly shuts down that idea. The Wasp shows up to clue everyone in, on, and the boy claims that he is not a boy, but a man cursed with eternal life. The Avengers don't believe him, so the boy pulls a pistol out of his jacket and proceeds to shoot himself in the head. The Avengers are shocked, but even more so when his body disintegrates and then reforms a few seconds later back into the original boy. Now that he has their attention, the boy tells them that Captain America knew him as Morgan McNeil Hardy, a crazy billionaire who had gathered together some mental adepts and tried to use them to reshape America into a more moral society. When Cap interfered and America was almost destroyed, Hardy had absorbed the psi energy back into himself, which proved fatal. Three days later, he had come back to life and all of his memories had returned. He remembered that he had been dying and coming back to life for thousands of years, but until this time, he didn't remember his former lives. Now that he does remember them, he's tired. He doesn't want to continue living, but he can't kill himself as he just comes back to life. Worse, he's coming back quicker and quicker, regenerating in a matter of minutes. The Avengers agree to help him. The team spends days testing Hardy, with Chief Scientist Iron Man taking the lead. Iron Man finally concludes that Hardy is somehow tied into the life cycle of the very planet, and as long as Earth exists, so will he. Of course, since Iron Man isn't any sort of scientist, he's probably completely wrong. Anyway, after days of working on the problem, the Avengers finally realize it's time to debate whether or not they should be helping someone commit suicide. Hardy is furious at their uncertainty, so they send him off to bed. Hardy has no use for sleep, though. He's got his own plans, and he needs to get to Florida. He sneaks out of the mansion and jumps on a hobo train heading south. On the train, he meets the Mirror Universe versions of Laurel and Hardy, who want to rob and or rape him, but he scares them off with the gun that the Avengers apparently decided that they should return to him. The kid makes it to Cape Canaveral, where he sneaks inside the base, which apparently has Avengers-level security, and then sneaks inside a rocket that's heading for the sun. Although he continually dies and is reborn during the weeks-long trip, he has enough time alive to reprogram the rocket to dive into the sun rather than orbit it. Ah, at last, blessed death. The desperate NASA is asking around to see if anyone has any ideas as to why the rocket went into the sun, and when they contact the Avengers, they mention the kid who had sneaked onto the base the day it launched. Wasp thinks it must have been Hardy, but Iron Man scoffs at her idea, since, you know, she's just a girl and he's a scientist. Still, that scene isn't nearly as unbelievable as what's happening to Hardy. The sun didn't kill him. Well, it did kill him, but he just kept coming back, and then, because this is a comic book, it turns him into some sort of fire monster, which leaves the sun and heads back to Earth. No. Oh, yes. Soon, the fire heart is on Earth, and Jarvis, at his most British, informs the team that a fire creature is running amok. The team heads out to deal with it. Soon, the foursome are engaged in battle with the fire beast, and it is not going well. Hardy soon lets the team know who they're fighting, which doesn't really help, until Iron Man comes up with an idea. He urges Thor to have Mjolnir create a funnel, one which lifts the fiery Hardy up from the Earth and into outer space. Once there, the fire creature explodes, which somehow creates a giant hull back on Earth. The Avengers explore the hole where they find Hardy, again a little boy, but with his memory gone once more. Cap tries to make this a moral argument since they killed Hardy, but Iron Man's having none of it. Look, Cap, 
He's still alive. Right there. Shut up. But Iron Man has a more serious concern. What if the kid really does remember and is just pretending? With the odd little sneer he's giving us in the last panel, perhaps Hardy does remember. This is the end, but I'm sure we'll come back to pick this up at a later date. <laughs> Spoiler alert. No, we won't. Our roll call this issue is Wasp, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Uh, we see Jarvis and our villain is ridiculous. There's so many problems with this issue. Uh, I don't know where to start, but hopefully you do. Did they did they think the team needed a break or something? <laughs> I just want to say it. Little kids are apparently no threat and can approach the front door unchallenged with the security system. Let's be clear. They had a gun on him. With a gun. <laughs> the, apparently the security system can't detect metal. Which, sure, why would it need to detect a gun? I was, uh, I don't usually pay much attention to the artwork unless things are really awkward and this, that page, that spread right there is awkward. The angles that people People are, like, Iron Man's laying on the floor and he shoots at Thor's foot and the kid's running towards them and nobody seems to be on the same plane. You've and then Captain America falls on... T- I don't know what's going on in those pictures. You've had problems with Don Perlin's artwork before. Did I? You have. But I have to say, when he drew the Arsenal Annual... Oh, right. But I oh, have yeah, to say, I think you brought that up last time he did an issue. And I, how long do you think it's been that Captain America's wanted to tackle Iron Man to the floor like that? I'm also a little surprised when Jarvis is talking to the kid at the door. The wasp flies up behind him and says, Hey, I'll take care of this. And Jarvis says, Who? Really, Jarvis? You've been in the mansion with the wasp for how long and you don't know what her voice sounds like? And you're not used to her flying up to you at wasp size? Yeah. Wasp's hair on page four all of a sudden looks like a helmet. There? Yes. Yeah. What is that? And again, uh, I can't believe this kid has a gun. That kid looks like a ventriloquist dummy where he pulls the gun out. What's wrong with his face? And also, I know it's 1982, but I believe you may be using a revolver he got from Wild Bill Hickok. I I do want to be clear here. The kid shoots himself in the head, and the Avengers then give him back the gun, because he has it later in the issue. Does that seem like a good idea? Do we get to see them do that? Because that would be the best panel. No, we don't see That would be the best panel of the book. We don't see that, but we see him. We see he has it to fight off Laurel and Hardy. Oh, right. The train hobos. That was my next... uh, So we're we're going there? The train hobos look like Laurel and Hardy or whatever. Yeah, I don't understand why. Hi, Daryl yeah. and Hardy. I'll tell you, that's the last note I have because my next note says, I can't even. And then I said, oh good, another burning hot bad guy because we haven't had enough of those. The only thing I would say is, okay, so Thor creates a funnel which swoops Hardy up into the atmosphere and he explodes. I don't think that's how the atmosphere works. Why? Things don't explode in space. Why is there then a hole on Earth? From the, uh, from the... From the funnel? Yeah. He sucked the whole thing up there. I'm, I'm going to be honest. My last note here says, sorry, I stopped reading this about... About 10 pages in. I didn't finish this issue. I have no idea what happened and I don't care. And I'm more, I'm happier for it. Well, I have another question for you. And well, I won't can, be able to answer it, so we'll just wildly on. guess at things. Cap's shield is in the fire creature. And then the fire creature yeah, explodes. It's still there. But his shield is on Earth. Now, I will buy that his shield could survive that because it's indestructible. Are the straps on the back of it indestructible? Are they also made of adamantium? I don't know. What about the paint on his shield? Is that adamantium paint? I would paint? assume not, but how did the shield get back down from outer space? Well, I, how did Hardy get back down from outer space. And if I ask you why there's a giant hole, this doesn't make any and sense. If, if the shield and Hardy are outside of the hole, what is the hole for? No, the shield, well, the shield's in the hole. I guess Hardy's in the hole, Oh, too. did they jump? Oh, yeah, they did jump down in the, that's not very well delineated there. All right. Bullpen bullets. We're done. I forgot whatever. Bullpen bullets. Uh, Marvel crows about the fact that they haven't had a single unscheduled reprint in over four years, but fails to mention how many horrible fill-ins they've done instead. <laughs> <laughs> and Marvel graphic novel number one, The Death of Captain Marvel's on the checklist we mentioned that uh, a couple episodes back it's funny when you say that because I'm, 
my my notes are pretty much the same. <laughs> I said I prefer the unscheduled reprints. <laughs> right? Uh, did you have anything on the letters page? I didn't think there were any interesting letters. I now. did not. I also did not. The letters are boring. Well, this one's going to go real quick, then, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. The twenty-minute episode. We do have a statement of ownership here. Average sales last year with two hundred and twenty-one thousand nine hundred ninety-six. So basically two hundred twenty-two thousand, which is a little lower than the year before. They were like two twenty-four last. I thought they were around two thirty. Are they two twenty-four? I don't remember. Anyway, they are going down. MVP Thor. I mean, whatever. I picked Iron Man because he's a scientist. Useless character. This comic book. <laughs> um, I picked Thor. Uh, where's Don Blake, the world's greatest euthanasiast? Shouldn't he be here to help kill this kid? Surely he knows how to do that. I thought he started becoming a philosopher now. He's probably off meditating somewhere. I guess. I guess he's so good at um, killing children. <laughs> I guess he's so good at keeping people alive. Anyway, uh, best quote taken out of context. I didn't finish reading the issue and I don't have anything to write about. I have two. Oh, good. You'll make up for mine. Uh, one is Thor half half a mind to give the assembly spanking. And it's the other really out of context. That's pretty much the context. Of <laughs> the other one is, hello, little boy, are you headed our way? That's, yeah, that's a good one. Avengers level threat? No. I mean, I don't. He's more of a threat to himself. Uh, final grade. F. I gave it a D plus. <laughs> so about there. You know, we were gaining momentum and bam, brick wall right here. And this isn't really very, I mean, Dematteis, I know you didn't like it, but I liked the scroll yeah. uh, fill-in. It was certainly better. Stone it thing. was certainly better than this. So before we close up, we should talk about where else you can see the Avengers. What? Uh, this issue. Well, well this is happening. Isn't it that Hostess Fruit Pie ad with Daredevil. <laughs> we are right around the same time as Fantastic Four issues two forty two to two forty four, where the Avengers team for Iron Man, Captain America, and the Wasp are helping the Fantastic Four fight Galactus. It's not incredibly integral to this book, but it's these. Those are three cool issues. They featured the Avengers prominently. It is this team of Avengers. Uh, and for the record, the Avengers do help beat him and then decide not to kill him. I'm sure Tony Stark wanted to. They just let him go. They uh, help rejuvenate him. So that's it. I've got nothing else. It's not the most important thing in the world, but it's nice to know that, you know, they're still out there in the Marvel Universe, even if there are only four of them. They should have, like, sent him off to jail. Galactus? Yeah. There's some gigantic handcuffs on him and well, you know, he take act- him away. He's not as tall because he comes to Earth and he's, he's not as pow- he's his energy is waning. He needs to eat something. Does he shrink when he runs out of energy? And as he gets weaker and weaker, he gets smaller and smaller. So by the time they beat him, he's only like 30 feet tall. Huh. Maybe 20 feet. That's nothing. Compared to how big he sometimes is, where he can like stand on a planet. Stilt man's taller than that. My gosh, go back just versus stilt man. <laughs> uh, you really like stilt man, don't you? I do. He's funny. On our next episode, Moondragon is back, and this time she brings her daddy with her. That's all I got. It's not your daddy's Moondragon. It's only two issues, right? It's only two issues. We're, for, for a while here, we're into these nice two-issue clumps. Uh, thanks for listening again, everyone. If you want to get in touch with us, our email address is mail at avenginghour.com. You can find us on Facebook. Our webpage is avenginghour.com. We're on Instagram and the other thing, Twitter, right? I guess. I don't ever go on Twitter, at, so you have to let me know. Oh, right, yeah. I run the Twitter account. John runs the Instagram account, basically. But, you know, we have cross-referencing. Uh, the handle there is at Avenging Hour for both of those. That was a slow summary. Yeah, right. Usually you... I know. I had kind of gotten into a rhythm. And now it's I, like 20 seconds to get through all that yeah. stuff. And this was this is the boring part. Nobody even listened. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about... I told you there was thunder. I'm thinking about the fact that I have to go pick up all three of my children and my wife's out for the evening. So I'm going to be home with them by myself. So you want to stretch it out. Like stretch it. Stretch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are they outside somewhere? <laughs> 
<laughs> we left them out in the backyard. Oh boy, you might get some letters. Yeah, there's water, obviously. <laughs> you need grass, right? I mean, nobody's gonna kidnap them. They're chained. They're chained to a tree. So <laughs> it's all good. Everything's good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week.